Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day, one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Dave. And joining us today, once again, we have special guest Robert Black from the Groundhog Day Project. Welcome back. Yeah, glad to be here again. Yeah, we're glad to have you back. Thanks, yeah. for, thanks for sticking around yeah. for, for Minute 69. And so, so, Dave, what do we got going on today? Okay, uh, in minute 69, uh, yeah, there's, we see the music starts up, and Phil tells Rita he wakes up here every day, and there's nothing he can do about it. He writes on a note exactly what Larry will say to her. She's so amazed that she decides to stay in town to study Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an, an objective witness. Yeah. I have a, a couple observations, I guess, or ideas on... Larry, this is kind of a big Larry minute for me, and and the first I think Dave we've talked about. I don't know if it was on the show or off air, and I I believe you did not agree with me, and we'll see if you if you've come around. Maybe I convince you. We'll get Robert. We'll get like a third impartial opinion on it. <laughs> is Larry checking out Bill the waiter as he walks past him coming into the diner? Interesting. No, it's. I see. I, I he do, I think he looks past him and he's looking at the the table, which is weird. Which actually brings up raises more questions because why would Larry go to that table? Because they're not there that day. It's it's I, I get what you're saying. It's like he's looking at Larry or not. Larry's looking at Billy like mid chest as if whatever. But, you know, Billy's also carrying a tray of juice glasses. And maybe it's kind of like a, you know, like, whoa, you got to give distance. You don't run into the the tray. It almost looks like he's looking at the tray, not at Bill. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If he, I don't know. I I say, I mean, that's, you know what it is, though? It's like, I mean, look, I don't want to get involved with it. Yeah, whatever Larry wants to do in his own private time. But Larry seems such like a. And we're gonna have evidence of it later, you know, a, a trying to be a goofy ladies' man. Um, but yeah, I, I say I say it's the the, the, the tray because I don't know how how he, he just stays on track going right to them. Seems like he's all business. Mm-hmm. He's like avoid the juice tray. Okay, hey, gotta get to the thing. We're gonna stay ahead of the weather. Like, that's how I see it as. And, you know, I would say Larry's just, he's being the, co- the, you know, the good co-worker. Phil said he don't want to be in town. Larry's is fine. I've loaded up the thing. Everyone's luggage is in. Let's stop by the bed and breakfast. Grab your, grab your suitcase and we'll be out of here. That's what you wanted, right? That's Larry. He gets the Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I, I, I'll, I'll, what I'll, the way I'll think of it is, so yeah, the, I think when I first mentioned this, um, you were like, yeah, you you brought up that your your theory was the tray, and I'm like, it. There's a couple, you know, glasses of juice. Like, there's not really anything interesting. What I'll, in my head canon, it'll be he's looking at the table where Phil and Rita should be because there's like the psychic echoes. No, I like that. Of of you know, yeah. he he doesn't know why, but for some reason he feels like he should be walking to this other table. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? They're not food. there and. That isn't there anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or, yeah, like, I mean, I mean, maybe earlier in the minute he saw them because they're near the window seat. He saw them in the window, so he was walking over, and he's like, oh, they're not at that table. And then, you know, as he makes the turn, he sees them. So it could be that, you know, in a logical sense that he saw them in through the window, um, or he, like, you know, saw them walk in, go to that table when he was going to get the luggage. But, yeah, I think that would be kind of like a fun thing to play with is, like, these... They have these minuscule echoes. Like I said, when Rita says deja vu at, yeah, Rob, when she says deja vu at the ice cream store, what do you make of that? Well, it works well if you're talking that there are echoes of the other loops. Otherwise, it's just an excuse for another joke. Yeah. So I like like the idea that there's echoes. Because, yeah, like, I I, I, I think the first thing I would have said if I was filling that situation was like, did you see it too? You know, like I mean, like just grab her, just like yeah. we sh- can't have anyone hear us. I don't know who's listening. <laughs> Mrs. Lancaster could be anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the the other Larry note I have for this minute, and this this I think is just me that I've watched this movie too many times. The thing that that. Phil writes down and that, you know, the prediction of what Larry's going to say, you know, we better get going if we're going to stay ahead of the weather. Like that just, it doesn't seem like, like that seems like such a natural thing to say, like, Oh, like Phil knows they're supposed to leave. So for Larry to come in and say, let's get going. Like it, like I, I, I don't think Rita should be as impressed as she is that Phil is able to predict what Larry says. Sorry, what was that, Robert? Phil knows exactly what it takes to impress Rita. Oh, (laughs) oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I think I think Rita is still stuck in this not catatonic. But it's like it's almost, like ever since he said the tray was gonna fall, and she was like, "This is nuts." It was almost like a like a hint of fear, like she was scared to expect that sound, and then the sound goes off, and then he pulls her into a booth, and I and you know then tells all the sweet romantic things that she said to him. Um, you know, I think she's just so scared that it's, you know, he could have been eighty percent right about the the letter and th- or the, on the receipt, and I think she would have been sold. When catatonic the description, like when he mentions Larry, she repeats Larry's name twice, like she has no idea what he's who he's talking about, or what he's yeah. talking about. Yeah, because for her right yeah. now, it's like her and Phil exist in a this pocket dimension. We're like, yeah, no like the diner that. is like, it's just it's just vanished all around her. And then he says he's gonna walk in here and take you. She's like, well, uh, uh, so walk in here and then Larry and then and then sit ahead of the we- head of the weather. <laughs> okay. So it's it's the it's not it's not as much or so much just that he gets that right. It's the building of all the other things that he's known and predicted and, and said leading well, up put, to that. Putting point. it on paper regardless of the words makes it real. Mm. So all of his predictions, that one's the concrete thing she can actually hold in her hand as evidence. So it works for her. I like to do a Michael Shannon update. So <laughs> At, at second 28 and, and 9, when Larry's passing them, I think they've definitely resolved a lot of the problems right now. I think they're in a, they're going to work on whatever the issue is because his head's back up and he's, he's a little sad. His, eye, his, his, his eyebrows are a little down, but how they're talking, it looks like they could be working something out. 
So it's not yeah, going to turn into an actual fight. Right. I mean, he's, he's, he's at least Fred is facing Debbie, <laughs> although he is still acting for like what is, I mean, he's, he's a name now. We know he, who he is, but at this point, as, as you said, Robert, this is his first movie. This is his first movie. I think he did like two small parts in, in TV movies before this. Really. He's basically just an extra and like, he's still acting. He still looks sad, but he's he's facing her. The body language is better. He's looking at her. He's not looking down into his arms. Yeah. So, I I think those those two kids are gonna make it work. Yeah. Well, not today. <laughs> no, not today. Well, if not today, some but other also day, today. Right? <laughs> but also today. today. <laughs> well, <laughs> on on some version of today, right? That they're gonna work it out. All right. Um. So anyway, so sorry. I just wanted to get my my Larry stuff out <laughs> um, out early, but uh, I also got some Phil stuff. And, and one thing that interested me, and and this is sort of a, a quicker. We you know we've seen Phil grow and evolve and change through this loop. This is something where we see a change within the same day and, and even within the same scene where earlier. When Phil is just starting down this path of of this opening up to to Rita or this iteration of it, when he's saying when he starts off with I I'm a god and I want you to believe in me, and I kind of noted that was I forget it was sixty six or seven. It was a few minutes ago, and I noted like he's not he's saying I want you to believe in me, and now he's saying believe me. He's asking Rita, and he says it twice. Believe me, you've got to believe me. And I thought that was just an interesting where he starts with believe in me. And now the more it's, you know, more pleading, more emotional. Um, I don't know. Maybe begging's too much, but he's, yeah, pleading. I want you to believe me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he seems, so he starts off as I'm a God, I'm immortal. I know all these things, but now he's very vulnerable. He seems very mortal. And and vulnerable and can you know not godlike for someone who's yeah started a few minutes ago as would that proclamation of I am a god <laughs> yeah so we've seen you know within the span of a few minutes the evolution of Phil or some some parts of of evolution I think all right so I'm so what else just, is going on no, just, sorry Dave no I was just trying to think if there was a way I could connect Michael Shannon in this movie to his small cameo role in Chain Reaction with Keanu Reeves. But I can't make it work. Because <laughs> that was his next movie after this, and three years later, too. Like he, he, didn't even get a, he didn't even get a role for like three solid years still. Hmm. And he played he just played off like a flower delivery guy in, uh, in Chain Reaction. And, and I was like, I, was like eh, I don't know if I can work if that's Fred. You know, like, that's Fred like trying to, you know, like, oh, I got to pay the bills with Debbie. God, I'm doing flower delivery. And I'm, I'm, that's it. That's just, that's... Uh, <laughs> I can't connect into the Groundhog universe. <laughs> well, that's not too far off because that was that was like DC, right, or Washington DC. I mean, it's not that far it, it from Punxsutawney. Yeah, it says like DC, and then it like says like there's all then there's scenes like out where they go to like all he goes all the way. To, I haven't watched the movie in years. And it goes like to, <laughs> to Illinois, so it's like well, they don't. It's like eh, it's halfway between Punxsutawney. Um but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I'm sorry. Get back, get back to your point though about yeah, it's just. <laughs> It is kind of funny how the scene has taken a turn of just like you know the com- the comedy of I'm a god to this almost like he just become a sad prune of like please like 
I have nothing here. Like, I know all this information. It means nothing. Like, that's, you know what I mean, I'm saying? It's almost like Phil's, like, shriveling up in his coat. Like, yeah. like no, he needs reading. For a connection. He, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. He's, he's just, it's like, he's, I don't need love and affection and, like, and, and, and sexual romance right now. I just need, like, someone to, like, understand the level that I'm at that I can't comprehend why I can't leave this day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he went, yeah, it's getting back to the idea of like, you're a producer, help, help, help me. It's getting back to that, 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 that moment of that. You're a producer, do something, produce something. <laughs> you're a producer, produce. Um, that's what I always wanted well, to say. Well, I say, do you want to talk about like what Larry does now? What does Larry do? Does he go watch Heidi too? Yeah. Oh, you mean after that? Does like Phil watch? have like, yeah. him 10 bucks? Like, go see it. It's a good, it's a good film. Go see it. I, I guess so. Does he try to set him up? Well, he doesn't set him up with Nancy. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of a lot of unanswered questions for for many of the scenes in this film, but that's one of them. Yeah, because of course, you know, again, Larry has spent the you know the all of yesterday, the whole van ride up of Phil, just like I don't want to be here. I don't want to be with you. I don't want to do this. I want to spend as little time. In this rinky-dink hamlet in Western Pennsylvania, as you know, just as little time as I can, we're going to get in the van and turn around. And he just, you know, he's been packing away the camera and all this stuff, getting the van loaded up, probably hauling, uh, you know, Rita's luggage down from the hotel, getting that in the van so they can just get on the road and keep Phil happy. And then Phil's like, "Yeah, me and Rita are going to go for a walk." Yeah. <laughs> here's yeah. Here's ten bucks. Go see Heidi too. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I can think of, and I said, I, I, I want to give more respect that eventually Phil doesn't, you know, doesn't have any animosity toward Larry. As maybe he, like, he tells Larry, like, the, the places in town that would interest Larry. Like, oh, there's a radio shack down the street. Uh, you know, you may, you know, like, there's something that if you want to look at any new, like, you know, they have the new, like, Panasonic cameras in. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, this place that here, yeah, or go see Heidi. Right. Um, go. Yeah, here's the place you can go get some fudge and white chocolate and then, yeah. you know, check out the quarry at the edge of town. Yeah, the bowling alley. <laughs> yeah, you the know, bowling. Yeah, I'm Phil sure, will know. Yeah. Gu- uh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, Gus and uh, Ralph. Gus and Ralph, they're already heading there now. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, when, when we get to the last few, uh, like about 10 seconds of the, of the, of the, uh, the minute, you know, we have this cool angle of them entering Gobbler's Knob. It looks like they're, they're walking towards what I'm guessing is maybe a civil war or a revolutionary war, uh, monument. Did you mm-hmm. get a look at what that was like in real life, Rob? I have pictures of it, but I don't remember. I think it's World War II. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So it's a, oh, it's a World War II monument. Okay. I believe so. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look at these rifles. I'm trying to figure because I don't know the back of the the rifle. It looks like it's a flintlock um, muzzle because like that there's that that large hammer in the back. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know if you know. Like I said, like that that could. It's hard to tell. Yeah, I, I mean, it looks it looks like a a Minuteman rifle, right? but I don't know if they're just using that as. I would assume there would be those would be M1 Garands or something if it was World War II. Um, but I don't know. I said you were there. Um, I, I am curious, though. Unfortunately, uh, after so many days and so many images, my Dropbox folder for this movie is really full. Finding a single <laughs> is hard. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So 
tell us a little bit about Woodstock. I mean, that was, I, you know, Dave and I, we've talked about taking a pilgrimage, but we haven't been able to do it yet. Is it, it is, is it as magical a place as I imagine it to be? Weirdly more so because on actual like Groundhog Day, February 2nd, it was covered in snow and it was cold. And so it was, it was, it looked a lot different. It was, everything was white and it was nice in there and i i went prepared with like maps so i knew where everything was and where they filmed shots from the movie so i could like reproduce them <laughs> so it, it, yeah wow were there ice sculptures no that that's a that was a punxsutawney specific thing they got when they visited there during pre-production um i wish that would have been cool to see yeah weirdly in woodstock there um when i went uh, groundhog day was on sunday all of the events ended after noon like 12 noon because mm-hmm. they've been doing events since like thursday night and so the, their version of the banquet which is in the same room where the one is in the movie was friday night and they had a breakfast on sunday after the prognostication and they had the symposium with danny rubin as the guest on saturday afternoon and they do two different walking tours of this of the town where they walk around to the different locations and you get to see stuff where I got to answer questions for, for the tourists. <laughs> well, yeah, you're you're a bit of an expert on the. Someone asked the about a location, yourself. and yeah. Bob Hudgens, the location manager for the movie, is like, you know, I don't know, Robert. Do you know? And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> so all this obsessive movie watching and researching actually comes in handy sometimes. Yeah, it's fun. Like it. Yeah, and that's it, it's. I'm a little amazed the way it has spread because obviously. Or not, obviously, maybe not. But I wouldn't think that Groundhog Day would have been such a big deal for Woodstock, Illinois. We know that the it's been a thing, sort of the, the ceremony in Punxsutawney yeah, has been going on for over 100 years. Yeah. But but now because of the movie and, and being filmed in Woodstock. Well, even in, in Punxsutawney, even before the movie made it really popular, they'd get thousands of people every mm-hmm. year now they get even more now they get like tens of thousands woodstock had i think it was i think they estimated like four thousand the day i was there and wow. so it got you get a wow. big crowd right and it's very early in the morning like the sun just coming up and all crowded into that they do their prognostication in the gazebo where phil and rita dance because hmm. the mound that they built for the movie isn't actually right uh, okay. i was but, curious if they like they built like a temp stage or something okay but it's fine in the gazebo the gazebo okay. Yeah. They do have a fake tree stump, but they put it in the gazebo. <laughs> nice. <laughs> fake tree stump in the gazebo! <laughs> so, yeah, so it looks even less natural. It's so, yeah, I know. It's so funny. Just, I can, I, it's just tree stump in the middle of a concrete gazebo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, that's, uh, that checks out. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but they had, it could um, be real. That could happen. What's his name? One of the radio guys, you know, from the alarm. From mm-hmm. the alarm was there that weekend also i actually had breakfast with him at the brunch which was awesome but uh he got up on stage at the prognostication and did both parts of the radio djs the back and forth he would do both parts oh cool which was pretty cool (laughs) were they playing i got you babe as as he does it no no it was just the dialogue part that's funny yeah that's great yeah we'll have to get out so the yeah it was just the you know, past the 25th anniversary yeah. of the release of the movie earlier this year, as we're recording the podcast, maybe 
maybe Dave and I will head out for 30th. I think. <laughs> Something. Yeah, I mean. Right. Yeah, it could happen. It could happen. Hey, did you get the crepe place? It's, no, no. The crepe place wasn't there yet. It actually just opened, uh, like, last year, I think. I did eat oh, okay. in the okay. diner. Although it's not a diner. It was a, uh, it's Mexican food. Was it, is it, yeah, it was a Mexican place. I guess the diner didn't, I don't know, didn't last, didn't stick, or? Well, they built that diner, and then another diner took its place. I think it was called, like, 123 or something like that. And it didn't last very long. And But I checked last night. Um, the La Placita, the place I ate in 2014, four years ago, is still there in the same spot. How was it? It was good. It was a huge, like a <laughs> giant burrito that I got really cheap. Unfortunately, I had to throw away part of it later because it didn't fit in my bag very well. And I had to, <laughs> to buy other stuff and do things. You gotta get that. Oh, yeah. You gotta yeah. get that burrito carrying case, man. You gotta get the carrying case. Know the holster, the burrito big. holster. That would be <laughs> I would go to Chipotle with that burrito holster and be like, just slap it right in there, lock and load. I also, I also made sure to have uh, Rocky Road while I was in town and Ooh, put it on oh the yeah? sale at the motel. <laughs> well, and yeah, good thing it was to. cold, so you could do that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, when I came out the first morning, my car was buried in snow. I had to dig it out. Now, obviously, the bed and breakfast in- interiors are like a set, but yeah. did you, like, were you able to, like, at least kind of get near the front of the building? Yeah, you we the that was where the walking tour ended both days, Saturday and Sunday. Okay, would end at the end of that street, after going past the piano teacher's house, where the uh, the girl who lived there was serving everyone was a hot chocolate, I think, that she gave us for free, which was nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and so we'd stop there, and it was kind of miserable the first day because all the snow, and we were like trudging around through it, but it was nice. The second day was better. We could actually walk. Yeah, that's nice. So, uh, so getting back to the movie, Dave, you mentioned. I think you mentioned the angle, and I think this is kind of different. I don't know. Most of the shots we get are sort of eye level, just looking at the characters. Mm-hmm. This kind of looking down from above as we see Rita and Phil uh, walking towards the monument that you mentioned. I think it's like the the if not the only, like the first time in the movie that we've seen this kind of angle, I don't know if it, it kind of gives like, all right, something's different. Things are starting to change. Although I, I have problems with what we're looking at here because (laughs) this, well, this monument, this is the monument that the children are hiding behind for the snowball fight. Yeah. When they, you know, when, when Phil and Rita are making the snowman and, the you know those the kids jump out and they start throwing snowballs. Where's the snow? I mean, we see little patches of snow, but by tonight, you know, we don't it, it we don't see snow between now and then when they build this. We see we do see some light flurries afterwards, but we don't see enough snow for this whole place to be covered in white and Phil and Rita to be building a snowman. Yeah, the snowman would have I to mean- be really late at night. Yeah, that that's because I mean, like when I, I I do understand. It's like yeah, it's like the, it really does. It snows crazy outside of the town, but clearly the town must get hit with with some snow late at night. So I always assume that there was at least like a good snow somewhere when the, during the eating dinner or like the late afternoon evening, and then they they build the the um the snowman, and then like you know in the later minutes we'll see them like 
you know, in the bed and he looking out and it's like the, the windows are really frosted over and you can really see that the storm outside's going. So there is, yeah, there near the end of the day before we, we flip or we loop back, we do mm-hmm. see snow. So I, I just assume that somewhere in the evening they get snow, but not like heavy blizzard road clothes level. Um, but if it's, if just outside of town is blizzard road clothes level, Maybe over the course of dinner and a couple hours, yeah, they get enough to cover everything. But I, but I'll, I'll agree with you. Like when he was out with uh, Gus and Ralph, it didn't look like snowy. It looked like a little cold, a little wet, but it didn't look snowy out there. So you're right. I don't, you know. Yeah, that's why I, I wish I I I think. And not, you know, this is the kind of thing that maybe people only notice if they're watching it one minute at a time or if they watch it every day for a year kind of thing. <laughs> you know, the, the the people in the theater probably didn't pick up on it. I think I would have liked it better if the, there was no connection between the town square and Gobbler's Knob and the snowman and the snowball fight. If we couldn't identify it, if we, you know, just when they're building the snowman, if we didn't see the monument and we couldn't see the Pennsylvania hotel in the background, we could just write it off and say, Oh, they're just outside of town where the blizzard is. And that's why there's snow. But you know, we, we, we see all these things we see. Yeah. We know that this is where they are in a couple hours. This place is going to be covered in snow and like, they're, you know, they're in bikinis and they're laying out and they're rubbing <laughs> suntan lotion. I mean, it's, you know, it's a heat wave. And then yeah. 12 hours later, they're building snowmen. I just, uh. no, I, I get you. If it was, a, if there must be another park in town they could have used. And if they did that, yeah, it would be enough of a, a difference to, to, yeah, not have to worry about, you know, where'd the snow go? So, yeah. Hey, so it, it also plays into some, they film in the square as much as they could. Mm-hmm. Because why they got yeah, I mean for they use it as like metaphor for the whole time loop. He's trapped. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess like, if they if they maybe they they just showed like sometime during the evening there is some snow. It's not blizzard level. But if we actually saw like it does get a little snow. It doesn't get it doesn't get blizzard bad, but it gets yeah. some snow. I think if we saw it at some point. It would be like oh okay, so a little snow gets in town, but it's not not the the blizzard level. I don't know. Yeah, uh, and yeah, then we could answer the snowman question. Um, this, uh, we're at, uh, I'm at, at 52 seconds in, um, you, you, in the gazebo, you have another film crew filming something. And I'm, I'm guessing that's what Rita wanted to do. Like originally her original plan before Phil said, let's oh, get yeah. out of town. You know, I'm, I'm assuming she would want to film the gazebo and interview people and stuff. Um, well, the ice sculptures like, you know, that's, are it, on the other side of the gazebo as well. The what? You can the ice sculptures you, that he walks past. Uh-huh. They're on mm-hmm. the other side of that gazebo. You can never see them from this side the way the movie frames it. But the shop in okay. the background of that is the courthouse, which yeah. is on the side of the square. Mm. Okay, well, and that makes sense because he passes them as he's when he's after he drops off Rita. Yeah, yeah, and and is walking back from. Yeah, that's when he sees. Them. Okay, yeah, I never noticed. So it's like the guy he's like in a, I don't know, like dark blue or purple jacket. Is he holding a camera? Yeah, he's he's. I mean, he's not holding. I don't know if it's a professional uh, level camera or it could be something. But I, I would assume it's a. You know, he's probably part of a TV crew. Because um, oh, the guy yeah. next to him could be a could be a some kind of sound guy or their producer. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. So that's that's like the stuff that Rita wanted to be doing, getting that you know the B roll, the background, the local flavor. Sure. 
Yeah. And now, so this is, uh, so we, we, you know, we cut from Phil's revelations in the diner to Rita saying, all right, you know, I'm going to, we'll do like a scientific experiment. I'm going to watch you. I'll spend the day with you. This is uh, this is a change from the the first version of the screenplay from Ruben had the scene in the diner cut directly to the next day where it's just Phil and then there's there's a voiceover where he says if I was a god I had to act more godly so he doesn't we don't or we didn't originally we would we weren't going to get to see this day of Phil and Rita spending together, but we would see Phil the next day sort of trying to be yes. better. And we get, yeah, with, with that day, we see like his interaction with Ned where he doesn't punch him. And one of the, one of the kind of weird things that I don't think would have worked is one of the, one of the scenes in, in that first screenplay was Phil on the ground, digging through the dirt, and he, he says something about Beatles and then later he's in the library like checking out books on on um on uh entomology as like he's trying to you know educate himself and broaden his horizons and like I'm just yeah that you know I think they do a good job in the movie I think Ramis made the right tweaks where we get okay you know playing the piano and the ice sculptures yes digging through dirt looking for bugs eh, maybe not <sighs> I, I I hate this 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 voiceover thing. I'm so glad it's gone. Every time you oh. bring it up, I it, it's, <laughs> it solidifies my opinion that just like the voiceover would have just been a, a a movie that I don't think would have really connected with audiences to have a guy constantly be voicing it over. I spent mm-hmm. days in my blog talking about that voiceover piece by piece. How <laughs> bad it was. <laughs> And and I'm glad we never go to the library because like, like sure I mean you can have a montage with to like some eight you know some late '80s early '90s pop music of him like getting educated and being a better guy and you know he comes in and he says the librarians I'm I'm just so glad like you know we could have had a cheap director that would have done that and just being like Phil's becoming better you can see it in this monologue or not, this uh <laughs> this montage yeah you know. Um, I'm so glad that um, the, the the all these scenes that you keep telling me that like oh I'd fill in the library and fill in the library I'm like no just keep it in the town general and outside like you know diner diner hotel you know like mi- minimize the inside I think it's really fun to have it um, a lot of these scenes take place outside yeah and and and, and so some of it is some of it you know must be Ramus some of it is knowing once they've cast it and they know what what actors they're working with and then some of it was them visiting Punxsutawney again when Ruben wrote his first version of the screenplay he knew uh, you know he knew Groundhog Day and that there was this festival but he he didn't do any kind of really research it sounds like he didn't do much research ahead of time it was only afterwards when they were making the movie that it's like hey we should actually go to Punxsutawney and and see how this thing works out and that's where they you know they see the um, you know the 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 ice sculptures and the groundhog ball and and all these other things that they kind of get from from reality from the actual festival. What you know what they do in Punxsutawney or or what they were doing back in the nineties. 
which now they, I guess they can, it'll make, it makes it a lot harder to change because before it was like, yeah, we can kind of make it up as we go along. If we want to switch it up every year, they probably get a lot of people show up now. Like, oh, I want it to be just like the movie. That's like in Woodstock, they do a dance in the same place where the dance is in the movie. And it's the floor is still exact same thing. It's <laughs> they decorate it the same way. It's a little different in the back because there's a bar in there now, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, That's it's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is there a bachelor auction? No, not not in Woodstock. <laughs> and I, they, I'm guessing they don't do that in Punxsutawney anymore either. Yeah. <laughs> 2018 robert tell us how much how much did you get at the auction (laughs) just tell us was it a dollar it's fine (laughs) you you don't have to answer i probably would have got i probably would have got more i got introduced on stage at the breakfast i started the trivia yeah there you go show of hands like who's seen this movie and everyone can raise their hand like who's seen it more than five times there's a few hands, and he's like, who's seen it more than 180 times? I was going on with my hands still up. <laughs> You're a, That's a plant. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, he this guy. Was... He brought me yeah. up on stage to answer the first trivia question, which is how much money did uh, Rita pay for Phil? Oh, it's... Uh, see, I don't I'd, know, but at the yeah. same time, I don't want to study it until I get to the minute. Yeah, that's it. We just we know, we know would know the answer. We, we just haven't gotten know, to that minute yet. But we'd be telling the listeners ahead of time. Yeah, you haven't actually the... seen the whole movie yet, right? Uh, now I'm having fun now watching this for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> You're having a lot of fun watching it for the first time. I tell you what. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so this is so yeah so this and th- so this showed up, you know this kind of us us walking through a day of Phil and Rita together after he makes you know all the revelations in the diner. This shows up in. Um, Right away, the second revision, kind of the, the first one that Ramus gets his hands on, one of the things he put in. I assume it's from him that he put in Ramis right away. And, and it works out well. Excuse me? Uh, Ramus' second revision. Ruben had his own second revision that doesn't exist, apparently. I want to get it. I need to ask Ruben for it. Because there's actually, it'd be, Ray, uh, Ruben did two, and then Ramus did three to the shooting script. So they visited Punxsutawney after Ramus's first, before Ramus's second. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't able. I was only able to find um, three versions. There's and and um, Ruben released kind of a, a, an annotated screenplay good. under the title "How to Write Groundhog Day." And then I was able to find revision and third revision are PDFs you can find online. Those are Ramus's second and third. Right. Yeah. And those are the those are the the second and third that I have, and I yeah. wasn't able to find anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wonder. I know it at one point. Um, Ruben was sort of not too far away from me. Um, he was uh, sort of a lecturer. Not. I don't think he had a like a full position. I don't know if he was a professor, but at least a lecturer on writing at a, a local college. So maybe I'll maybe I'll stalk him someday and or go through his trash and see if I can find. Now that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's there you go. Online, go through his trash. You can also see if I can... find a final revision. I have that one. So second, third, and final. Oh, there is a final. Okay. Yeah. The closest I was able to get is the third. And that's, uh, let's see, that's dated like January 30th. And I believe they started filming in March. So there wasn't too much time for yeah. too much change between. And, it, and it's pretty close to, to what we end up seeing. Final um, revision is dated some... March 5th. Okay. 
All right. So that would have been after Groundhog Day. Revised pages up to April 24th. So. Oh, okay. The shooting script. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And then, uh, you know, and and as we've talked about, like Bill Murray kind of added in a lot of things. So they would have been doing stuff. Yeah. Adding his his own personal flavor to it. Um, So, yeah. So we get we get Phil and Rita and she's, you know, this is the the right approach that finally, uh, whether in, you know, whether intentional or not. And and we have to question every time we see Phil doing something, got to wonder how many times has he done this before, but he's, you know, so whether this is the first time through and this is, uh, you know, quote unquote natural, or if he's, you know, been been tweaking and planning the way he is in other days. He has certainly uh, peaked, I guess, peaked Rita's interest. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. I, I like to believe this is, yeah, this is natural. This is, I, I, you know, I, I want to be on the upswing now in this movie. So rather than Phil being a manipulator, I feel like, you know, this is an honest to God conversation between two people that, that, you know, and, and she believes that he is, uh, He's in. This, he's stuck in this day. Okay. I mean, that, that's honestly, that, yeah, that's that and the gazebo were my last, you know, notes of the of the, of the minute. Okay. Um. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of all the notes I had for sixty nine. Do you have anything else you have, Robert? Uh, not on this minute specifically. No. Okay. Well, I think yeah. Well, so we, I've got more stuff on on this walk and talk that Phil and Reed are having, but you know, that there's a lot more of that for, or it's kind of all the next minute is, is that. So yeah, we can talk about it then. And so, uh, yeah. So wrapping up for 69, how so, so one more time, uh, Robert, let, let folks know where, where can they find your project? They can find it at groundhogdayproject.com. And every day of the first year was just this movie. And then once a month, ever since. There you go. Yeah, really interesting stuff. Again, you know, folks, I assume if you're listening, you're interested in in this movie and you're a fan. And so I definitely recommend uh, checking that out, the the Groundhog Day project. And um, yeah, so I want to thank you for listening. And we will see you tomorrow, if there is one. Gotta go if we're going to stay ahead of the weather.